Welcome to the Fully Expressed Podcast with Karenna. I am really excited for today's conversation because this conversation has been dear to my heart for such a long time. And I didn't realize, to be honest, that it was going to mean so much to me until someone gave me the permission to be able to step into what we're going to be talking about today. I have Sophie Kesner with me on the line. And for anyone that's listening, you know, Sophie and I met in the Phoenix Path with Jessica Benstock. She also did the certification with me. And uh, I got to just fully embrace all of Sophie throughout that. And it was such, I what I loved about, she's listening to me, of course, what I loved about my time with you, Sophie there was like, I feel like you taught me such a different part to the healing because I feel like we went through different things in that journey, which gave me so much light and understanding to your process. So I just want to say thank you so much for sharing throughout that. And then ever since I met Sophie at the Phoenix Path and just the simple conversations, like you are just packed with information and intelligence and experience. And that's what it comes down to like business, which is why I really like was drawn to you and all that you're doing within your online business and really wanted to work with you in that way. And this beautiful human also has a huge background in somatics and somatic experiencing and being trauma-informed, diversity and equity, like inclusion, like literally like you just have so much to offer. And so I feel like the conversation today is is going to be so informational, packed with really juicy takeaways. And so with that being said, hi, Sophie. Hi. You did, hi. You did a great job trying to... <laughs> I was like, how do I get everything that she does? Because you do it all, it feels yeah. like. You have so much to share with this world. So thank you yeah. for coming on here. Yeah, I appreciate the invite. I'm excited to, excited to dive into all the things. And on sorry, and on top of that, you're a mom. Like you do yeah. life. You have a little little nugget running around. So yeah, you really you really have all a lot of experience that I continue to admire and inspire. Oh. So thank you. Can you share a little bit about yourself? So uh, this is, I guess, you would call like my neurodivergency in the sense that I've got many things that I do. the The best way to sum it up is I have multiple businesses and interests. I've always been somebody who really loves numbers and really loves data and information, but I also am somebody who's incredibly deep and emotional. And as you can imagine, those things don't always play hand in hand. Uh, so I got into the industry in 2015 and had a pretty high rating on the ACE, the Adverse Childhood Experience score. And from that, decided I wanted to get into like personal development and went to University of Study Psychology to get my degree in a personal, not personal development, excuse me. And uh, what is that called? Not LMFT, but one of those fields. Essentially, I wanted to become a therapist. And then I got into the coaching industry and very quickly no longer needed to be in school, no longer needed to pursue licensure because I had a full practice in the coaching space that very quickly turned into business and marketing because what I found when I was working with folks on mindset and identity and beliefs was that you can have one part of the puzzle, but if you don't have the proper systems and structure in your business, then nothing really works. And I had a fun oscillation between many different seasons and phases throughout my career in the last eight, nine years and found myself in the last three years 
diving really deep into diversity, equity, inclusion work, and essentially anti-racism. Being somebody who is biracial, it was something that really struck home in 2020 amidst all of the incidents that happened during that time. And it was something that was really, really big and uh, eye-opening in in business to start to see it actually come to light in business because we'll get into the sticks that kind of over- overlies with, with the trauma work. I didn't realize until 2020 how much I had been assimilating to fit into an environment of whiteness, which is the coaching industry, to be successful in that space. And how much that had impacted me in my sense of knowing who I was, my roots, my family, my culture. And in 2020, it was a huge wake-up call for me when I actually had my son because I was forced to go from being this hyper-independent, super-successful boss babe Instagram marketer to having to rely completely on family. And it was a very, very humbling experience. The last three and a half years have been humbling. And in that, that was a big part of what actually forced me into the trauma work is I had so much that came out from the birth, from what's going on in the world. And all of these things that I started to recognize were never actually processed properly. And so I went into a three-year program with the Trauma Healing Somatic Experiencing Institute. I got trained in that and now certified it as an SEP or Somatic Experiencing Practitioner. Yeah. Woohoo! <laughs> um, and oh, built out an agency on the side because, you know, it's fun and really developed all of the the systems and the frameworks because what I found in, in kind of like the, in the beginning of my career was, okay, well, mindset and systems need to be there. And I feel like I've kind of gone from an undergrad in those two realms to my PhD in those two realms. Right. Uh, so where now it's like, oh, I understand systems and automation and structure and, and all of these pieces where I could have never possibly fathomed or imagined back then. And it's beautiful how they work together. But obviously there's there's a lot of layers intricacy to that. So I'm sure we'll we'll get into all of it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There's just so much there. That's <laughs> a lot. Like where which which string do I pull? Because there's so much for you to share. And like, I think that's so for anyone that knows, I mean, a little bit about if you want to talk a little bit about what SEI does or what SEI the program is, because that's a deep three year program yeah. that you went through of like quarterly, I think it is where you guys meet mm-hmm. quarterly and you guys are going deep into the work every single quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So the program that we met in was a trauma informed training. It was a six mm-hmm. month program. SEI is a three-year-long trauma-trained training. And essentially, the difference between the two is to become trauma-informed means that you are aware and able to track and notice when somebody is moving into different states of arousal within their system and help support regulation. You're working with it, but you're not working on it. And that's a really key distinction. Whereas when you get into work like SE or somatic experiencing, you're training for three years working directly on the trauma. So uh, when you're thinking about trauma-informed practitioners, usually trauma-informed practitioners, ideally, (laughs) they're staying in their lane, are not working on trauma, but they're aware that the clients in any other industry that they're working in, whether it's health or wellness or yoga or business, they're, they're aware that their clients have trauma. And when stuff comes up, they can help regulate them and get them back on track in the scope of practice. Whereas with SEI, you're doing in that in, in that in that scope of practice is 
you're learning both the psychosomatic science behind what actually is going on in the system at a much deeper level. And all of the mentors that I've had from from the Institute all continue to say, you know, it, take, it takes 10 years before you actually start to really understand SE. And I'm about three and a half going into four years in at this point. <laughs> and I feel like I'm just scraping the surface of everything that's in there because it is such a delicate practice in how we combine not just the the psychology of what's going on with folks or the physiology of what's going on with folks, but really starting to to see and understand all of the different layers, and we'll probably get into a lot of this, of how pieces are showing up in the here and now and how we actually start to unravel and create space and capacity to navigate and what is the word, discharge some of that energy to start to free up more space, more more aliveness, more vitality within the person. So hopefully that's a helpful summary. No, that was super helpful. And I think it's just important to identify. So like I can definitely attest to like I am trauma informed and it has given me a new lens to look through with working with clients, right? Like I can see what's going on. I can say, oh, this person is having this quote unquote experience. And I can help you regulate and come down and I'm going directly into the trauma and dealing with and working through and processing that. Like that is not my area of expertise that takes a whole nother level. And so I can totally confirm, I guess, from the other side of the room of like what that actually means and what that feels like. And I think, you know, for today, like what I really, really want to dive into, especially when it comes to trauma and how to <laughs> navigate trauma is really talking about how to process anger and rage. And, you know, I, the reason, I mean, you were talking about this on your Instagram stories and I reached out to you. So I was like, I really want to have this juicy conversation. I knew that like inviting you on was going to take it to a whole nother level. But like for my own experience, when it comes to like anger and rage, like my entire life was this like peaceful, sweet, easygoing child. Like if you ask my parents, like that's how they'll describe me. I think for the most part, I think most of my life I was disassociated and like, but there were so many parts of me that were stubborn, that were bratty. And I felt bad about them being there, but I never allowed, and I think a lot of the reasons why that stubbornness or that brattiness or the lack of expression that I had in my system held a lot of anger and frustration and rage. And I didn't realize it, but as I started to kind of unravel that for myself, I realized that I put on this like label of anger is bad, rage is bad, frustration is bad. I'm not allowed to feel that. I'm not allowed to show that. I don't know how to bring that up, you know, or how to process that. And then the minute that I started to welcome it and actually express it, oh my gosh, I just felt like 10 times lighter. I mean, obviously expressing it in a very healthy container. Like I learned the tools, which we're going to talk about. Like I'm not like taking it out on people and yelling at people, but that would happen when I would suppress it, right? So like when I would suppress it, then it would turn into like, oh, Krenna is so quiet. She doesn't ever cause conflict. And all of a sudden I would bark and like yell and get so mad because there was like all this suppressed yeah. anger and frustration that I wasn't allowing myself to process or to be with but most of the times because I was thought it was bad and so I would love to hear like was that process for you if you're open to sharing if you've ever done that but then also 
how can someone step into and what's going on when anger is happening? You know, what is going on when you're feeling frustrated? So I'll we could do a whole podcast on on episodes about all. I know there's a lot. I get that. (laughs) Where to start? Yeah. Yeah. Let's (laughs) let's lay down some groundwork. Okay. So where where do we want to start with this? Let's just start with identifying the different ways that this can show up and and how it can be brought up in different type of systems. So if we look at early developmental um, theory and, and think about like early developmental childhood and and just trauma in general, and, and we get into the intricacies of that, uh, around ages two to three is when, and this is the age my son is right now, so I'm in the thick of it. <laughs> is when we start to develop a sense of autonomy, a sense of power. Now, our family dynamics and our upbringing during that time plays a really big role in how we relate to power and control and outward expression of asserting ourselves and setting boundaries and having those boundaries either be respected or not. And depending on on what is going on in your environment at the early age, we develop a a way of responding to our environment based off of what we're being faced with. And, you know, I'm just going to invite y'all as you're listening to this and you're noticing any activation coming up, if you're starting to feel anything, just kind of wiggle the feet a little bit, wiggle the toes. We're going to get into some sensitive stuff. So I just want to make sure at any point, any of this is starting to feel like it's a little much, take a break, pause and, and go on a walk or go outside or go connect with somebody and then come back. But if we're looking at early developmental pieces, there are a few different types of extremes, right? When we think about abuse or neglect, we typically think about extreme ends of that. And we think, well, I don't have trauma. My parents never hit me. They never yelled at me. There was never any like sexual molestation or anything of that sort. We don't realize is there's a whole level of neglect in the absence of something. And a lot of the times we don't identify this as potentially traumatic for the system. And we have to start to uncover is how do, how does that show up for me? What is the history that I'm working with and how am I responding and why am I responding the way that I am? Especially if you grew up in an environment where there was the absence of a parent, there was an absence of love, there was an absence of affection, there was an absence of emotional expression. You adapt to that to survive in that environment. Right? That is the the genius of our beautiful and the systems is that we are constantly learning how to adapt and, and we are adjusting. And so we learn how to survive in the environment in which we're raised in. And if part of that learning was, well, we don't say anything, we don't talk about our feelings, we don't do these specific things. When I get angry, I get ignored. I don't get love. Love gets taken away. Right? We learn to withhold and bring that in. Additionally, we can see it in ways in which we feel like you have really, really big emotions. And, you know, the too muchness comes with this one sometimes when we have caretakers who don't have the emotional capacity to support us as children, as toddlers. And so we don't learn how to self-regulate. We don't learn how to be supported by somebody because we're told to go to our room. We're told to stop crying. We're told to stop tantruming. And we're forced to sit there in this explosive state without really having containment or proper support to come out of that space. And so in, in these spaces, it's similar. It, it's directed differently. One of them is just somewhat of a suppression or shutting down or not really allowing. The other is a turning inward. 
And it can be a combination or layers or oscillation between. It's not saying that it's one or the other. And then on the other side of that, you know, you have dynamics where there is a lot of outward aggression that's directed at or around you. And these would be the circumstances in which there is not necessarily like extreme violence, but again, like there's an extreme end to everything. But this could be things like there's a lot of yelling in your family. There's a lot of aggression in, in the family. People are really loud, really uh, <laughs> intense. And to a child, that can feel really intimidating. And, and especially if we witness harm or we experience it, then we also develop a sense of, well, I don't want to be that. I see the way that that's impacting me or impacting others. And now there's an aversion to that kind of expression because our association with it is that it's dangerous or harmful or that it's going to hurt other people. So these are just, again, really general concepts of, of how anger can start to develop and show up in our relationship to it if we don't have a healthy, supportive, conducive environment for developing healthy aggression and learning how to work with autonomy and rage and these bigger, intense emotions in a safe and healthy way. Yeah. under I mean, I can definitely relate to the second part of this, right? Most of my family was really loud. And even when they get loud today, like I can feel my system shutting down. So like any, it's, it doesn't have to be like someone's angry. Like if someone's just yelling or has really intense energy, my system tends to be like, eh, like going inward, like I'm scared, completely shut down. Like I'm hyper vigilant. Like I'm kind of scanning the room of what's happening. And sometimes I completely disassociate and like numb out. Like I think I've built this coping mechanism or way to protect myself by just like literally ignoring if people are yelling or literally turning off because I'm like, this is too much for my system, which a lot of my work has been to build my capacity to be with that intensity. But I just felt called to share that with you. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. It's uh, it's two things. One, it's it's developing safety within yourself to be in the here and now. And then the other part is developing safety to then be out and not be in the shell, right? Right. Like, you can literally feel it in your body. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I love about somatics, like once you start to like pay attention to your experience, like I literally get like small and my body like experience feels so close and contracted. Yeah. 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 And so in those instances, when, we're, when we start to talk about like SE work, it's, it's working with that in the here and now, right? For those of you who are less familiar with this work. It's very different than something like coaching or, or talk therapy. And not that these other modalities aren't helpful or supportive because they absolutely can be in the right context. But when we're starting to work with more intense responses, like an actual state of shutdown, uh, and you know, I'll speak to this both from personal experience, but also in a lot of the clients that I work with, uh, <laughs> intense freeze states are very, very, very common. And especially if there's a lot of early developmental trauma, a lot of the times you can go into states of regression where you become nonverbal. And this would be really, really confusing for somebody who's not trained in this work to be able to track and, and know how you know how to support that. But essentially what's happening, what you're talking about is when we feel so unsafe in where we are in being here and being present, we completely go into a state of not wanting to engage with our environment at all. Now, if we look at states of of how 
we respond to threats in the world, the, the threat response system, the final state of the threat response is to go into a full-on shutdown and dissociation. Now, why is that? Well, if you look at the animal kingdom, what ends up happening with with a gazelle that's about to get eaten by a lion, well, it leaves its body and it goes numb so it doesn't have to feel the pain of being eaten alive. So if, if we're experiencing something within ourselves to where it feels so intense and threatening that we don't feel like we can deal with the pain of it, right? It makes sense that our system is going into a complete shutdown because it's saying, this is too much. This is too overwhelming. I can't handle this. I don't want to feel this. The, the feeling of this is too much. Now, on the other side of that, as we start to work with that, we start to, to help the system recognize, hey, we're good. We're safe. We're not getting, we're not dying in this moment. It might feel like it. That, and there's a lot that we, we do with that. And it's very different depending on the person that you're working with and the type of system that they have. But typically, this is a really slow process. Coming out of states of deep freeze is a very slow process. And it takes a lot of trust and a lot of safety for someone's system, one, to go into the state, but then two, to start to slowly come out of it and thaw out. But when it does, and I, my guess is that you've likely experienced this, Karina, it is the intensity that comes after that. <laughs> because what is going on in a free state is because it's the last defense, underneath that is all of this mobilization, all of this energy, the survival energy that one of my, my teachers talks about it a lot. You know, they say you have all of this survival energy that has all dressed up and has nowhere to go. This is where we start to get into the fun work of working with things like rage or anger or aggression. Because now we have all these emotions that we're feeling and we don't know how to process them because we were never shown or taught or given a safe space to do that. And I'm doing a lot of this work right now with a bunch of clients of mine. It can feel really, really scary and intense, which is why there's such an aversion to it when we start to touch on it. We think it's just screaming pillows or hitting things or breaking things. But oftentimes it's not actually the solution. That's not really where we want to go because we were not able to track and support somebody and making sure that they're able to be fully present in the process without blowing into a state of dissociation in the re, in the aggression. So it's a slow build and it's a slow process. And I think the the key distinction with the way that we work with this in SE versus in a lot of other modalities is that it's very slow. <laughs> Sometimes annoyingly slow. I think uh, there's there's a lot of moments where somatics is so slow. <laughs> like in general, you know, we've done sessions together. I've done sessions with other people. And I'm like barely doing anything. And it's wild how like the smallest movement, the smallest like little shape or whatever I end up stepping into creates a crazy amount of emotion, a crazy amount of moment and things just start flowing. But that's what I love about somatics. I think people, it's hard. It's, I also want to go to the other side because a lot of people want extreme. A lot of people want it to be done quickly. They want to be past it. So there's a lot of patience in it, but there's a reason why you're talking to that, right? It's important to go slow for your system. Yes. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise what happens is you end up risking potential re-traumatization. Right. Right. Where we're just going into cycles of catharsis, but there's not actually any room for renegotiation or for integration or for the system to actually fully come out 
And, you know, this is why, like, I personally, my own personal belief, like, I don't necessarily like think that that's the best way to go about it. I think some catharsis is great occasionally, but we also want to make sure that there's just as much, if not more, geared towards actually supporting somebody integrate back into their body and back into the life and in, into the world. Yeah. But so as someone wants to, let's say they start to feel a lot of frustration, they start to feel a lot of anger, they witness like, oh my gosh, I'm really angry. I can feel that in my body. What can someone start doing to like inviting that forward or processing it? And what are the some of the containers or tools that can help someone do that? And then also, I'll also say like, if you are processing really heavy trauma, work with a practitioner to hold you in that, but would love your take. Yeah, definitely hitting on that caveat. There's like a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, What I'll say before I go into this is at any time something starts to feel really intense to where all you can feel is what you're feeling, work with somebody who's trained in in the work because it can be really challenging to hold or coach ourselves in those moments. And especially if you're working with stuff that has never actually had space to be processed or aired or had the support um so that's what i would say and then the, on the other side of that like you don't want to push yourself this is not about get angry and yell at the world that's not what we're trying to do either what we're working with is how do we start to feel safe feeling what we're feeling and being with it and gosh there's so much that i want to say here the first thing that i would say is if you've been on one end of the spectrum where you've grown up in an environment that was emotionally volatile, just a lot of intensity around you, and you have a lot of aversion to feeling your frustration or anger or rage or just, it feels hard to access. There's a lot of fear or uncertainty around it or a lot of hesitation around the impact on others. Definitely work with somebody. <laughs> but more importantly, the the first part of this is recognizing that you get to feel that because a lot of the times what comes up is we feel a lot of shame and we feel a lot of guilt. So we have to work with the the complexity of of the other feelings that are here before we can actually work with the anger and the rage, right? And so part of this, and it happens really quick in sessions as well, where sometimes, you know, we'll we'll start to tap into something and somebody will say, like, I feel really annoyed. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Let's let's sit with that for a moment. Can you notice notice where you're feeling really annoyed right now, really agitated? And then they'll, you know, they'll notice that and they'll start to track that and say, okay, noticing that there's a lot more rigidity showing up, right? So if the defense pattern has always been to shut it down, what you're going to start to see, if you're watching the video version of this, what you're going to start to see is the person's going to start to get more stiff, right? They're going to start to become less mobile. They're going to start moving less. And, you know, they're, they're going to say, I, I feel angry. And then what will happen a lot of times when we're working with systems who go into states of repression is they'll they'll freeze. So the rigidity is coming online because the system is shutting it down because it doesn't feel like it's appropriate or safe to bring it up. Right? So we'll, we'll work with it. We'll work with, okay, see if you can just wiggle a toe, wiggle a finger. Right? Let's see if we can just move the eyes a little bit and let's start to work with the neck and then we'll work with different sounds and help the system slowly start to recognize like, hey, you can move your body. You're here. There's a body here. And as we start to do that, then you'll notice the shoulders and the arms and everything starts to come down. There's more space in in the breath and in the belly. And there's also going to be a lot more warmth. So what we're tracking for, easy things, uh, hot, cold, 
and is breathing easy, hard, shallow, deep? And do you feel like there's more space or like it's more tight, right? More relaxed or more tight? And so as we start to come out of the freeze with this, then we'll start to notice like, okay, what else is here? And a lot of the times this is where we start to see a lot of overcoupling or undercoupling with other emotions. So things like the shame might come up. Things like the guilt might come up. A lot of the times, especially if there's environments where we uh, had other folks who were really intense or loud or aggressive around us, there's terror. There's fear here, right? Uh, this is really, really important to work with because if that is there, we want to work with the fear. We want to work with the terror and help this person start to orient to, hey, how, like, can you see me? How do you know that you're safe right now? Notice where you are. Notice what day it is, what year it is, what's your name, where are we? Because again, when you're starting to work with this stuff, it's not something that happens fast. There's a lot of tracking that we need to do to make sure somebody is still here and not completely in a response. And as they start to to come out of some of that fear, the next part of this is recognizing where the anger is. And this is what you're asking. <laughs> this is a long-winded way to get here. But I think you highlight there's so many layers. Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about SEI and somatics and this whole process you're talking to. It's like layer by layer mm-hmm. by layer by layer because because of an experience, we end up creating these other ways to like protect and manage ourselves and all these things. You have to go through each of those one by one. You can't just go directly to the thing without being with all the others. Right? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say when you when you finally got to the space. <laughs> yeah. When you get there. When you finally get there. <laughs> it might be. It might be months. might be years. But when you get there, it is a very interesting process. And the reason why I say that is because <laughs> it, it can show up in different ways. Uh, depending again on on the system and the history and and how the defense systems were developed, directionality it is also something to look at because there's there's inner inward directed anger. Meaning when you are when you have feel like you have no sense of control at the world outside of you. So what do you do? You become so angry with yourself, and this is where we start to see things as far as symptomology like self harm. And this can show up in a, in a multitude of ways. Say so this can show up in alcohol addiction, drugs, sex, risky decision-making, gambling, self-harm, right? A lot of really, really heavy topics where we take it out on ourselves. And when you're working with something like this, it's a really delicate process of helping somebody start to feel like they can actually turn that out, right? Because the reason why we don't want to feel it is because we feel like we're going to destroy ourselves. And that can feel really, really scary and overwhelming, which is why we don't want to go directly into it and feel it as intensely as possible when we start to work with these things, because we don't want somebody to regress into a state of, of self-harm if they have a history of self-harm or you know whatever the, the history is. So what we want to do with this person is we want to very, very slowly in a very titrated place. And by titrated, uh, you can think of this kind of like if you have a fire hose, we don't want to open up the fire hose. <laughs> All the like you want it very, very slowly, just just a wee bit. Or our soda can might might be easier if you, to think of it like a giant Coke bottle that you've just shaken up, right? We don't want to just like or it's gonna hit you in the face. Like Yeah, yeah. We don't want to <laughs> just like open it all the way up. We wanna slowly just just a tiny bit, let it diffuse and then just a tiny bit. Because that's kind of what we're doing here. You've got all of this built up survival energy that's stuck in the system and all of this anger and all of these range. These are not easy emotions to work with. 
and we have to know how to how to slowly work with it because the other part of this is if you have somebody who has a defense pattern of feeling like they're too much so they hold it in you got to be ready to work with that because if they start to feel like they're too intense for the space that they're in that can also be really challenging to deal with which is why when you're doing this work you really want to make sure you're vetting the people that you're doing this work with and that they have the capacity to support you on these deeper types of things now when we're working with internalized anger and internalized rage these are things like feeling existential like an existential crisis or terror or uh, disgust either for yourself or the world or both can feel very all-encompassing and when you get into these states can almost feel like the way that the system is responding is if I can destroy myself, nobody else can destroy me. It's a way in which the system is protecting <laughs> in a really interesting space because it feels like it has no control on the external environment. So what does it do? It harms itself so much to where nothing anybody else does could possibly compare to the pain that you're giving yourself. And I'm just gonna invite y'all to, you know, take some take some deep breaths and look around a little bit as we're getting into it. I'll shake it out with you. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we're gonna get into some of the definitely things. feel it. Like even when you were talking a little bit about like the intensity, it's like, oh, here we go. She'll lips up, you know? No, no. So Yeah. 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 So you're just wiggle wiggle the toes, look around a little bit. Because this this is, these are not easy conversations or easy topics to go into. And it can bring up a lot of a lot of things for a lot of different folks. But it's, you know, it's important that we're able to identify these things because a lot of the times we're told that we just need to meditate and not think about it. I was having that thought too, you know, like I feel like what we're having is such an important conversation around the importance of giving it how important it is because, you know, when you see things on Instagram or you see people showing people how to process anger and like, they're like, be with your anger and people are like slamming like their pillow on the bed and things like that. Like, yes, that is so helpful to be a representation of like, this is kind of welcome. I get that part. But there's all this other fluff and this importance of being actually nurtured and cared for and held in that experience and knowing, you know, what your boundaries are in that process. You know, what are your actual edges in that process? Like you said, like you can definitely create more harm than good if you go into it from a place of like not really knowing your system or have had work that done the work with someone that can identify that, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll you know, I'll give you some examples here because life is so fun. Uh, I had, before I got into trauma work, I, and before I got pregnant, I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. I was in a breathwork certification program and uh, we would go into these breathwork practices and I would go into full-blown catharsis every single time. And, you know, the, Everybody wanted to to work on my system because, you know, it's like fireworks and everything. But no, like I felt so disoriented after every single time that I did that, even though they were like these huge, big releases, because I wasn't actually fully there, wasn't fully in my body as I was navigating that. I was very much so like in a complete state of uh, of catharsis. And when I first started going into SE work, I had a really interesting experience. Uh, beginning one, the first for the first training of my first year in SE, a really interesting experience with a woman who, and I, I didn't realize at the time <laughs> when I got into the training that we were going to be practicing on each other. And that meant that people were going to be working on me with my trauma. 
very unaware of that. So just heads up for anyone considering. And there was somebody who, you know, came in and and we were partnered together. And luckily, you know, there were there were plenty of faculty there supporting. And so we had plenty of eyeballs on us. One of the things that I really, really appreciated about that program. And this woman was just so unaware of what was going on with me. She was trying to work with me. And the the misattunement was something that that is very familiar for my system, right? When when it feels like there's not like a respect in the boundary that's there. Uh, and for me, with my system and the way that that shows up is somebody's digging and I don't want them to dig. But at the time, I didn't have the capacity to be like, no, I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. Uh, but so it is fair that you say no, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't found, say no. Yeah. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that back then. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that back then. Yeah. Uh, and so my my defense pattern was to go inward. And, and so <laughs> for those of you watching the video, it was very much like every part of me was tensing and every part of me was like, like there was just such like an anger and a rage directed outward, but also inward. And just like taking it, right? Just like taking it because that was the way that up until then I had dealt with life. She was to tense up and take it. <laughs> I also can relate. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> How many of us are just tensing up and taking it, you know? <laughs> yeah, even when it's not fun. It's not that. Not the fun, but it's it crazy that we do do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, you know, I got it. One of the other faculty members, luckily the time the time wore out, this person never really got anywhere with me. And we were asked, you know, like, how was that for you? <laughs> and I just started bawling and was just like outraged. I was like, I have never felt so misattuned in my entire life. Like I felt so unsafe. And the fact that you weren't even like I was angry at this person for not even being aware of how uncomfortable and unsafe I felt and how vulnerable and exposed I felt. The point in sharing all of that is coming back to the conversation of how we work with folks in these places and in these spaces, because what I needed at the time when I first started doing this work, because my system, though is very intense, also has a really hard time vocalizing outwardly what I'm feeling and setting and holding a boundary. And it took a while to get to that place, three fucking years to get to that place, <laughs> but in my final training, there was there's there's a lot that had happened to keep you know stories short and and to now demonstrate growth. A different woman, <laughs> a different woman had uh, gotten really upset at something that I had said in inside of the group setting of about a room of about a, maybe a hundred students. Our advanced year final training, there was a bit of an uproar. And anti-racism and diversity equity conversations and just a very misattuned practitioner. Uh, and I spoke up about it and I made some comments and this person felt like I was speaking directly about them. And in one of the group settings, they decided to, you know, like when I when I get angry, when I get upset, I've learned how to hold that intensity within myself. And, and so I was disengaged from the conversation until this woman looks at me and says directly to me that she felt like I was speaking directly to her. And if I had something to say, that I could say it to her face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you say? How did you navigate that? Oh, it was fun. Yeah. So 
as you can see right now, there's a lot happening in my system. Yeah, I was like, are you okay? Do you want to want to shake it out a little? No, it's good. It's good. Uh, but yeah, it was a very similar response, right? There was almost just like this sense of like, oh, <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. Because one of the things that I developed a relationship with over the years was recognizing how much power I actually do have. And I don't say that in like a woo-woo way. I say that in a sense of like, if I needed to do something incredibly volatile and violent to protect myself, I know that I would be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. And that's an innate thing for any living animal is if we're being threatened, knowing how to actually access and get in touch with that type of fight response within yourself is 110% necessary for your survival. And I didn't have access to that for a very long time because I didn't think it was safe, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I was on the receiving end of a lot of that for a lot of my life. And so I didn't have a healthy relationship to it. I was terrified of it. And after working through all of that, when this woman came up and confronted me in that way, it was very much the conversation of, you know, this isn't my responsibility. Like what you're feeling is not mine. And I'm not going to sit here and subject myself to your fragility and continue to hear this conversation. So if you want to process that, you can process it with somebody else. But that's not mine. And I was able to stand up and actually walk away and leave the room and say yeah. no and hold a boundary, right? Yeah. Up until that point, and maybe no, it wasn't like a 180. It was, it was a very slow progression. But had that been, you know, happening in the first year, I would have never been able to, I would have just taken it. And I probably would have never said anything in the first place to get myself into that predicament. <laughs> but on the other end of that, it, it, was a, it was a progression of recognizing, like, I could annihilate this person. And this is what we're starting to talk about, other side of working with anger and aggression and what that actually looks like. When you start to develop capacity to, to work with it and be with it is, I actually have capacity to annihilate somebody if I really wanted to or needed to. And I can work with it. I can hold that intensity. Yeah. I can bring that up and be here in it without acting on it. And that's what we're starting to talk about, developing healthy, healthy aggression, healthy rage. Because I, I think what a lot of folks maybe misunderstand about these types of feelings or expressions. It's not about not having it, not feeling, not being in the intensity of it. It's not about downplaying. Down, yeah. Yeah. It's about how can you actually hold that and have range and fluidity in your expression to where if I need to access that part of myself, I am able to get into it and be with it, but I'm also able to come out of it. And I think that's a really important key distinction is a lot of the times on the other extreme of this, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about folks who have a hard time accessing anger, frustration, or rage. But on the other side of that, there's folks who live in a constant state of anger and rage. So we we don't want to get stuck in that place either where we feel like all we're doing is fighting the world because that's exhausting. It's perpetually exhausting. So we want to, to work with it in a place to where I can touch into and access and be with the intensity of my experience and feel this and know that I can handle it and I can manage it. And if I need to, I can destroy something or someone, but I know that I won't because I have <laughs> yeah. control over that. <laughs> uh, and you and you find ways to start to learn how to communicate and externalize that, right? So we were, we were talking a little bit earlier about um, some clients who have a really hard time externalizing or communicating their frustration or rage because they don't know how to do it in a in a healthy and productive yeah. way right without going into a state of you know seeing red and 
and like i'm gonna kill you and i'm gonna come at you kind of anger like i'm gonna throw every mean thing i know in the book at you (laughs) yeah yeah that too yeah exactly that and part of that is is that we don't know how to hold that intensity without losing ourselves in it right so it's, it's how can i be with the intensity of what i'm feeling right now be direct and hold a boundary and communicate this boundary without completely trying to destroy the other person that's in front of me right because mm-hmm. that that is a very very delicate dance <laughs> totally i mean i talk about communications my jam like i love that but a lot of the questions that i get are like well what if someone comes at me hard you know how do i stand in my boundary how do i stay true to myself and you can fall into the place of getting defensive and coming at them too or you can learn how to be with your experience and still ma- like respectfully i don't know what the right word is but like grounded respectfully say this is not mine i'm going to take myself out of the situation and it sounds like that you did that so person so beautifully and you know you knew that that was their responsibility and i think that's the other thing that is such a beautiful gift that you know that she's going through her process and that you don't have the capacity to meet her in the process or have her navigate that process like you were like no <laughs> this is not for me and that's well done while you're also having this crazy internal experience which can feel like a lot and i think that's the part that i think is so beautiful it's not that anger like you're saying you don't have to explode on someone don't don't go off like a bomb don't go (laughs) destroying things and being like i'm gonna be angry because i've suppressed my anger my whole life and i'm gonna go start fighting yeah yeah, yeah. that's when you're regressing into like age three and that's what my toddler is currently working with right now it's like he gets angry and he's like (laughs) really cute he's like you know like full-blown and it's funny because you know i I see this in sessions with clients with him it's cute because i can be like the daniel the tiger however it goes tiger daniel whatever his name is there's a cute little song yeah (laughs) that we sing now and it goes when you feel so mad that you wanna roar take a deep breath and come to four and it works when he's not angry, but when he's angry, now, like, it was like when someone is angry though, like they tell what no, and not. You know what I mean? Like, are, no, yeah, you have to meet them. You have to meet them in it, and you have to meet them in a way to where you can match the intensity, but not not necessarily the emotion. Like you're not coming at them. You're able to meet them and help them feel contained in that. Because when you're working with something as big as an intense as anger or hatred or rage or disgust whether it's inward or outward, you have to have a container that can hold that, right? My son's a great example of this because when he gets angry and he has tantrums, he has tantrums, right? You know, it's not all the time, but <laughs> really it's my work cut out for me over here. It's, it's being with him in that and saying like, no, you cannot hit me. I love you and I'm here for you and I'm going to be here with you. But no, like you're not going to hurt me. No, I love you. I'm here with you understand that this is a really big emotion and that this is probably really overwhelming and really hard to navigate right now. And I'm right here. I'm right here. And a lot of the times, go ahead. I'm you can feel that in your presence right now. Yeah. There, like it wasn't like I'm screaming at you or it wasn't like, it's okay. You know, you know, like the, there's like this sense of like, I meet you. I'm the structure. I hold you. I guide you. You're safe. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, we don't, we oftentimes like never have that experience you know it's it's very rare <laughs> it might be biased because again this is all all the work that i do so of course the people i meet are the people who haven't done it uh, but but it's very rare that we actually have 
had that upbringing to where that was what we got. You know, it's funny. I, I share these stories with my clients a lot of the time. They're like, that that would be so amazing. Like if that's actually. <laughs> oh, my God, that wasn't real life for me either. I mean, this is a part of what I'm so grateful. I don't know if it's just our generation. I mean, Maddox has been for long around for a really long time. Right. This, this work has been going on for a while. I think more people are finding it. And now we have tools like I would have never known, like if someone's angry, like to meet them in that. If anything, I'm like, I mean, the old so parts of me, you know, still something I work on would be like, oh, scared. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm going to step away. You're going to handle this on your own, you know, because I had no sense of capacity to hold that. But I also did not have the skill set or someone didn't teach me to be like, no, in those situations, someone actually needs to be held in that, to like <laughs> really be met in that. And, mm-hmm. you know, meeting it with a sense of, how do I say, like really deep, like I'm here, you know, like, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one taught me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me mad. And I'm also so grateful for like finding out <laughs> because I don't have kids yet. <laughs> you know, I talk about anger because so I'm like getting angry that I don't know how to process anger. Just kidding. Uh, you know, always to start. But, you know, now being able to step into that, you know, it's just what you just talked about is just so beautiful and like holding that structure, especially if you're a son and imagine if more people did that for people. Yeah. I mean, it's again, like I'm not perfect. I have my moments. Uh, <laughs> yes. Same. <laughs> I'm like, I'm fucking done today, Catch, <laughs> Go talk to your dad. <laughs> I'm at my capacity. Yeah, I'm, I'm at my limit. That's thing you need to go fucking do. Shut. Mom, can you take him? That's what I'm, I'm going to lose my shit. You know, but like that's that's the beauty of it. And, and I want to say to, you know, to any parents or, or folks listening who have whatever the experiences are, it's not about never having ruptures in your relationships. I think that's a, a big misconception is the idea that we're never going to have conflict or ruptures or misattunement. Those things are inevitable. They're going to happen. The healing happens in the repair. And that's the magic. Like I have moments where, you know, I fuck up as a parent where I'm just, you know, I don't have the capacity that day. I feel overwhelmed, overstimulated. This weekend was really overstimulating. And that's going to happen. That's normal. So I think part of this is being kind to yourself and compassionate with yourself that you're not expected to be a perfect human being in this process, but also to recognize like there's more power in the repair after a rupture than completely avoiding rupture altogether, which is where we get into a whole different subject of, you know, trauma with. Uh, like, do you want to stay on record another episode? Because it's a whole other thing. It's a whole other topic on the other end of this with neglect that's not neglect but it's a different kind of neglect so neglect is you know absence of and then the other part of that is the overbearing parent who you know is is just so passive in in the approach or the you know the upbringing is so passive that there was never any structure never anything that was like really there it was just like whatever you want but at the same time like that never that never got to be held or met uh you know who talks about this so well what's her name the two books called running on empty yeah yeah What's her name? But the book, yeah, I need to find the book, but she's a psychologist that literally just talks so much about the missing of, the neglect of, like not really receiving what you actually need. So like in moments of like, oh, I want to, in that moment, I wanted to be held, but my, the person that I was with didn't know that I needed to be held, but it's still damaging to my system because I so badly needed to be held or be emotionally seen, but like they didn't recognize I needed to be emotionally seen. She talks about that so beautifully in that book. And there's two books. One is the identifying and the two is like how to actually like 
navigate that and integrate that into your life. So it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I know the book. That's a good one. I don't remember the author's name, though. Sorry. She's a, psych- ah, she's a psychologist. Edit it in. We'll find the name and then you can come back and say it. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> I guess for my last like couple of que- like my last yeah, question, yeah, you know, like especially because we're still tapping on like anger and rage. I'm so glad that we like talked about like the different dynamics of it, the layers of it, because there's so much more than just anger. There's so much more than just frustration. There's and like how it can be born and like what the steps are and like how to be held in that. Uh, but if you could, if there's any right, like next step would be the very, very first step to this whole process and wanting to be with the anger. I think we've talked so much about the game permission, how to do that, but like, how can someone just start to invite the process of it? Yeah, it's tricky. It's tricky, right? Cause there's like, depending on where you're at and where you're starting from, the, the answer is different. I think that's part of the reason, like, why personally, like, I don't know if I'll ever do group work in this in this regard because it's so individualized oh, that it's really hard to be like, here's your blueprint for doing this because I don't know what's going to come up. Like, I had a client where I recommended her do for her, for, excuse me, for them to do something, and you know, I thought it was a good idea at the time, and then they did it, and then and then things just started to happen, and I was like, oh shit, <laughs> where did we just go? We had to come out of that because. It, brought up so much other content for them. So I, I'm really cautious to say, you know, here's the blueprint or here's the step-by-step or, or here's the protocol because every single person's system upbringing and history and, and trauma background is so different. And something that might be helpful and resourceful for for one person, <laughs> like in this example, could be incredibly harmful and traumatizing for another person. Right. So I think the the best thing that you can do in this is start to get support around better understanding yourself mm-hmm. and how you show up and how you navigate life and just starting to take note of, of what are the things that bring things up for you is probably the first step and just starting to to develop the awareness of those pieces and how that feels and what that looks like in your system. And for folks who've never done any of this kind of work, what is it called? There's a there's a chart or a wheel of sensation to help you better orient to like the different types of sensations and emotions within your body. I'm sure we'll link it in the resources along with the book. <laughs> All right. So taking notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but there, there's a wheel that that helps you better understand the range and capacity of different sensations and emotions and, and just starting to develop a relationship with it. Like, can you actually feel your butt on the chair right now wherever you're sitting or laying or can you feel your feet on the floor like are you noticing that these things are there do you feel warm or hot do different parts of your bodies feel different temperatures do you feel soft or harder you can start with broader more in general pieces so that you can track those the easiest things to attune to or orient towards or become aware of and depending on your language is soft and hard it's really easy to track hot and cold really easy to track and your breath and then your eyes right noticing like do i do i feel like i have a really intense stare do i feel like i'm more relaxed in my face do i feel more relaxed in my body does my belly feel more like big and open or does it feel more tight and contracted these are things that anybody at at any level will be able to start to feel and then as you do the work as you start to go deeper into it you'll you'll develop more language and and more understanding of the nuances of these things are you like oh this feels like this and that and we start to get into some fun stuff but that's where I would start. I would say starting to get curious about yourself, 
noticing for you where you fit on that spectrum. And it might be something that we didn't even talk about today because today we were very much focused on on the suppression and inability to access, which is one end of the spectrum. And there's a lot of layers inside of that as you know, we've kind of gone over. The other end of the spectrum, you know, if you're somebody who who feels angry or feels like, you know, there's just so much in you, then that's a totally different conversation. You want to identify that. But I would say starting there, just getting curious about where you are and then getting the proper support, especially, and again, you don't have to have a history of severe trauma for the symptomology to be there. If you're noticing that you have a hard time speaking up for yourself, if you're noticing that it's hard for you to hold a boundary or express your needs or ask for what you want or have really difficult, hard conversations or uh, whatever it might be, these are things to explore and look at because it doesn't have to just be extremes we're working with. It can be even in the subtleties as well. A hundred percent. I mean, you gave them such a beautiful gift of just becoming aware of their body and like what's actually happening, right? Just starting right there. And that is something that you don't have to just do when you're angry, right? Like you can do that any time of the day, like really noticing how your body feels when you're relaxed. How does your body feel when you're happy? How does your body feel when you're sad? How does it feel when it's stressed? You know, there's all the different states can definitely take away from that practice you shared. And then also, I think, especially with the podcast and everyone that's listening, like, I think my goal is to kind of normalize emotions and expression, you know, like expressing emotions and being with them and then also just creating capacity to be with them. Like it's not so much about suppressing them, like you said, or like putting them aside. I mean, like that's underneath the rug for the next 20 years, never going to talk about it again, or I'm going to pray to God that it's never going to come up again. Like, sorry, it is, you know, like like that. That's really like the goal, I think, for anyone that's listening to is just like normalizing these conversations and being like, it's okay that you feel these things. And you know, you can also look for support, like really stepping into that. Because I think for me personally, being able to move through anger and rage and learn how to process it in a very healthy way and be held in that has created so much more capacity to be with things in, in the middle of hard conversations, in the in the middle of like work going bonkers and like having to troubleshoot, you know, like just any kind of momentum like that and be like, wow, I can actually be with this experience without my emotion completely taking over of the experience, which is another thing we talked about, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, with that being said, I just want to say thank you so, so much for coming onto the Blake Express podcast and like truly talking about this. And I would love for you to share, you know, a little bit more. Obviously, we'll tie a lot of resources that maybe someone can do, make a couple links to like back to you. But if you're open to sharing like how you actually support clients, what does that mean? What are you called? And how can someone contact you? <laughs> yeah. So there's there's an entire page on my site, ifficustner.com forward slash trauma dash, whatever the little line thingy is, coaching. Uh, and I have a private practice, <laughs> very different from most of the industry if you're in the coaching world. The way that I operate is I do ad hoc sessions because I find that it's actually the most appropriate for this work. And I do sliding scale. So what that means is there's no applications or pre-qualifications in place because I get that it happens, life happens. You don't need to sit here and tell me why you feel like you need to have a sliding scale price. It's all there. Folks can just book whenever they need or want. For new clients, I do uh, take them through intake process because I need to know and understand your your background and your history. 
And the the word or the title would be a somatic experiencing practitioner and SEP, as well as training in neuroeffective touch. So I do integrate a lot of touch work. We didn't really get into much of this today, but a lot of my background is also in early developmental trauma. So my specialties are around early developmental trauma, a lot around rage, around a lot around neglect, and a lot around like adverse childhood experiences. So I, I tend to work more on the extreme ends. And then the, the things that I'll say here is for folks who have more severe symptomology, uh, I would be referring out. So if you have something that's more severe, like suicidal ideation, I would work with you, but only places where you are also working with somebody who's a licensed clinical psychologist or therapist to help monitor cases because I'm not licensed in that regard. And I think that's important to to mention. Uh, so that, that would be the one thing. But yeah, you can find that on the site for anyone that's curious or interested. There's also a ton of resources on there. If you just go to the blog or the podcast, uh, there's just plenty of stuff that you can explore and dive into depending on what you're looking for and what you need. But yeah, I think this is a so a good little entry point. Yeah, that was so beautifully said. And I think, you know, I've personally done sessions with you and I always felt so safe and they were always what I needed. And so I truly love the ad hoc model because at least personally for me, you know, I'm in a place right now where like not a lot of things are coming up, but like when I know I really want to reach out and like want to be with that and like really taking that responsibility for my healing and my process is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as, yeah, you're just an amazing practitioner and it guys didn't take away she knows a lot <laughs> you know and I love that from the sessions you know like I come into your sessions and you're teaching me too you know and I think it's also really important to take that away if, if someone ever wants that space too so and all right ladies if you are listening in this is for you if you have a friend or a family member that is female that is looking for community that is looking at this path of growth and wanting to evolve as a human being, please listen in. So I want to share with you the Fully Expressed community. If you haven't heard about it, you need to hear about it and you're hearing about it today. And I'd love for you to check it out. The Fully Expressed community is for women supporting women. We have created a community where you can connect with other women that are also on this path of growth, that are interested and curious about what else is available to them. They want to see themselves living a life fully expressed in their lives and their relationships and their business. They want to bring their fully authentic self into all areas of their life so they can actually attract a life and relationships and careers and business that is so aligned to them because they are living a life fully expressed. In the fully expressed community, we meet online every single second Wednesday of every single month at 5.30 p.m. PST. And also have access to a Slack channel where I drop resources, where we share information, we talk about the community, we create community. You also get access to not only the guest coaches that have been on this podcast, but also guest coaches that I have kept waiting to show you what they have to share with you when it comes to their teachings and their practitioners. You're not only going to listen from me, but you're also going to learn from these amazing human beings that are available to you out there. And here to share their gifts with you so that you can live a life fully expressed. The fully expressed community is only $27 a month. And if you leave a review on this podcast, I will actually gift you one month to come join us for free in the fully expressed community to actually experience what it means to be in this community and these women. So if you go leave a review for me, I'll go do that. 
You can also find more information in the show notes about the Fully Express community. And I hope to see you there next month, the next second Wednesday that is available to you to be surrounded by other women that just freaking get it, that just get what you're going through. I'll see you there. I love the fact that you also refer out, I think it's so in integrity. And I think the coaching industry really needs a lot of integrity. (laughs) 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 Sorry. No. Anyways. And, you know, yeah, I think we just need, you know, it's really hard to find really good practitioners that are in a space and of integrity and are practicing in their lanes. Because some of this stuff can get really gray and defining that for yourself as a practitioner or even knowing how to identify that as a client is difficult. And I just, I love that you are already living in that. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad we got to jump on and all the things. Yeah, I feel like we could jam for for days. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Awesome. Yay! Woohoo!